Welcome to the Crone's Porch Magic Witchcraft and a Liminal Approach to Magical Faith. This is your Grandmama's podcast. Uh, honestly, not much of a content warning, but we do sometimes complain and get curmudgeonly. Um, but this is a pretty clean, happy, joyful episode. <laughs> and on today's episode, it's Cronin in the morning, sun salutations. We're actually up before the hours of noon. So, welcome to the Crone <laughs> Morning Show, where we talk about suns, sun deities, sun practices, and get on our queer philosophical high horse and rant for a little bit. But, uh, you know, you can expect this from us. This is season Normal three. shit. Yeah, normal shit. Uh, so, tune in for that on the Crone's Porch. Hi, Ian. Hi, Colin. How's it going? It, it goes. Uh, I... It, it got me. I've had a heck of <laughs> or have. You have been plagued. I've been plagued. Uh, but flash or news, breaking news, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, vaccines work because uh, I didn't have near, pretty much any symptoms. I had one day of like a slight fever, uh, like maybe a hundred for like 24 hours. And then from there, it's just been like, some congestion and coughing, uh, and so I've just been isolated with not really being sick because, uh, you know, the isolation, isolated whatever strategy is not very clear anymore, so I've just been kind of doing stuff. That's fair. I mean, it's been going around. Two of my coworkers have COVID currently. It has been. I don't I know we got it because last last weekend, yeah, last weekend, yeah, no, a week, two weekends ago, because last weekend was my first weekend in quarantine. Um, the twenty first ish was our Black and Latino Alumni Weekend, so we just had a huge amount of people kind of coming back to campus. Some of which were probably people who had it, and because our mask policy was. Uh, you know, really taken back, much like most of the country, it just had a, a an opportunity to get around. And so some students started to test positive and then some staff started to test positive and it was, it was a little bit of a domino effect. It wasn't so bad, it was kind of contained to our <laughs> multicultural community. It was just, it was just us, but uh, it, yeah, it ran through us. I mean, not to dismiss people who are still at threat, but this is also evolution at work, people. Virul highly virulent strains, but that are very mild, select themselves to survive because the ones that kill their hosts die. They, they fail evolution. Yeah, I'm still very interested. In another life, maybe I would have been a virologist. That would have been the nice, like, okay, don't need to go into medicine and possibly save people, but get to play in science. Fun land. Uh, career for me, because... Uh, I'm always fascinated by that. When Omicron first started, it came on and the research started to point towards more mild symptoms, but more contagious. People were freaking out, but I was like, I don't know. Isn't this it's better? This is better. This is endemic game. It becomes like a yearly flu type thing that is dangerous because people still die from the flu every year, but manageable because it's generally mild symptoms. So as long as our uh, medical infrastructure continues to hopefully not decay that bad uh it's a manageable illness every year so next strain hopefully because it could take a turn and just get more 
<laughs> more deadly evolution is weird it doesn't necessarily choose a specific path but hopefully it the adapts to the environment in front of it exactly but endemic virology Yay. interesting stuff so what are we talking about today so i mean the audience doesn't know because they probably listen to this at random times uh for some people this might be a continuation of when they usually listen to the episode in the morning uh, for some people this might be different but normally we record at night because we are creatures of darkness <laughs> who are too busy in the morning also sleep and uh, we're still former college students because uh, we're not that far off from college students. You also work generally later in the evening, so you are more uh, active at night anyway. Um, but we are recording this in the morning. So this is the uh, Cronin in the Morning podcast. We're changing our name. Our aesthetic. No, we're not. This is just this episode is Cronin in the Morning. But uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about daytime stuff. Sun deities uh morning salutations that people might do uh all the stuff we usually don't do but because we wanted to record in the morning we're gonna do it yeah ab absolutely um and as denizens of the northeastern united states the sun is something that is rare and wonderful um, yeah yeah uh, we <laughs> Let's see. For those of you who are not from the Northeast United States and probably, I guess, just the Northeast of North America, we'll include Canada in our little right. pod. Uh, the sun exists for about a solid two-month window in deep summer when it is too hot, too humid, and gross. Uh we don't get it during the fall because it just like disappears in daylight saving times, decides to wipe it off the face of the earth, and it's always cloudy. Right. Uh, winter is a hellscape of gray. Right. Just, just, even the sun is gray when it's actually sunny. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then spring, we get bursts of sun, usually once in the morning to lie to us to say it's going to be a nice day, then disappears and it just becomes a rainy, cold mess. Or yes. it comes out at the end of the day to remind us like, hey, I'm here. I chose not to care for you throughout the day. I'm popping out at the end of the day to be like, hi, I still exist, and then disappears until the summer comes. So we get like two months of sun. Yes. Uh, definitely. <laughs> so, but I mean, the sun, the sun is really cool magically. I mean, obviously it's been super important to so many traditions all over the place just because yeah. it's such an a, it's such an obvious feature, and B, it, it is literally life-giving. Without the sun, this planet would be in, uninhabitable. Yeah, like, I can't imagine myself in, a, in an ancient society where we didn't know what the sun was to just see this giant ball of light just in the sky. Like, the moon, yeah, it's impressive. It's a ball of light, but it, it's, much more, it's much smaller, and it obviously doesn't contribute to what is happening on... Well, it does, but... Uh, it's not as contributing to what's happening on the earth, obviously, because it's not, it might light up the sky a little bit if it's a very bright moon that night, but it's dark when the moon is out, but the sun is out and it is bright. We can do stuff. It's warm. Like, damn, I would have worshipped the sun too. All the plants respond to it, you know, that which turn towards the sun. Sunflowers literally turn towards the sun. I would have been seeing that shit and been like, wow, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, that brings up the, like, the idea that so many, like, um, 
like beings within our traditions are connected to the sun. Yeah. Um, and what I think is interesting is we, we sort of touched on a little bit is I think that there are a lot of these within our, you know, cause you and I are both sort of Northern European traditions all sort of bound together by like a big snake. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like within that is actually the sun is almost always feminine. Like in the Norse, it's Sol is a woman. Um, in Irish and Scottish, it's Grania. Grania is the sun, and that's that's a female deity. And in Poland, the sun was also a woman. She rode a chariot of fire. But then over time, because of like Greek influences of people reading this mythology, these male deities who were never meant to be the sun sort of were reinterpreted as the sun. So like Baldur is a shining god. Lu is a shining god. Um, Dajbog is a shining god, but they're not actually mythologically the sun. They're young shining gods, sometimes associated with fire or light or goodness, but they're not actually the sun, sun themselves. They've just been sort of, you know, Mediterraneanized. Sexism. Yeah, because that was, I think, for a long time, I can't even say a long time. It's not like I've been doing this for a long time. I've only been doing this kind of magic-y stuff for how long has it been? Well, my undergrad. When did I graduate? Wow, it's been a while. Uh, say so I graduated in 2017, but started in 2016. So like six, seven years now, which yeah. isn't super long. But it took like five of that almost seven years to come around to doing sun. Mm-hmm or embracing sun work besides just being a nocturnal person <laughs> like it's our it's already not my prerogative but I always stayed away from it because the sun was portrayed as like heavily masculine it was always male energy and uh you know I was already struggling <laughs> gender wise of like mm-hmm. people putting me in a, in a masculine box and trying to break out of that so I pushed all of that away and half of it was a lie. <laughs> Bullshit yeah. lie. It took me a long time to realize that not just for doing like degendering, like we've talked about like degendering magic and doing some of that work, but shit's already degendered for the most part it's actually just a bullshit of what well, again wiping off various levels of cred sometimes it's christian cred sometimes it's i'm gonna be honest a little bit of greek cred um and a lot of times it's sexist cred because bullshit man the sun is so nice she's a nice lady she can be a nice man if you want her Contra- you controversial want. opinion gods <laughs> have no set gender because they're shapeshifters. exactly Exactly. Like, uh, that took a long time to, like, sink in. It felt like, uh, oh, I have to degender deities. And then it was like, bitch, no, they, they are degendered. Like, calm down. <laughs> There's no need to smash the patriarchy where it doesn't exist. Exactly. 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 So coming around to doing sun work, A, especially, it makes a lot more sense in my life now. I don't sleep past the hours of, like, 8 30 ish anymore my body will just wake up on its own unless i've had a really late night have lots of work or something i won't sleep long so uh the sun is a much more regular part of my life than it used to be yeah absolutely i mean even though i'm i've my work has become more nocturnal i'm starting to take on that old person lifestyle of getting up relatively early and going to bed at like 11 yep uh, and so, yeah, the sun is sort of a, a natural part of how my day progresses. 
And I think that's part of what makes it so powerful because the moon is very powerful, but it's phases, it changes very slowly, which is yeah. its own separate set of awesomeness. But the sun is very, has like a very clear progression that we see every single day, which is sunrise, midday, sunset. Like it, it does that every single day consistently. Yep. I mean, and yes, it does have its changes. You know, we have our solstices and our equinoxes. So like the moon, it shifts over the course of the year. Yeah. Which is powerful, obviously, because people were making stone circles and shit to, to, to track that and honor that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's true. One of the, I don't want to say the most powerful things I do, but to do a year cycle, a, a year sun cycle, basically, of uh, my prosperity jars, like that shit. I mean, I, it starts on January 1st, which is kind of an arbitrary day. But if I started it on, that's actually an interesting idea. Maybe I'll do that next year. Uh, if I started it on one of the solstice, like we started it on, sun is the, the closest. So it's the longest day and take it to when the sun comes the closest again and do like a whole, the sun is leaving to come back type cycle. That's 365-ish fucking days that's a long ass cycle but a really powerful cycle and yet you can also do a really short cycle do just 24 hours <laughs> so exactly it's, it's probably mean, one I... of the most useful of the cycle givers because it has such a, a wide range of cycles that you can use it for half years you can use it from when the sun is the closest to when the sun is the farthest longest day to shortest day or longest day to shortest night, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, or you, again, you can do full year or just one single day. Right. And I mean, I think that also is reflected in, again, our, our cultural past too. It seems like in Northern Europe, the solar calendar was kind of the standard. Yeah. Um, and our, and of course, there's also the fact that our society and therefore the sort of witches calendar we've all adopted is a solar one as well. I That's think that true. has a lot of influence. Because, like, there are there are, are alternatives. Like, you know, the Hebrew calendar, the Muslim calendar, the Middle East and the Mediterranean have a lot of lunar calendars. Um, the Catholic and those are, have technically a lunar calendar. Easter falls, like, so many moons after. Yes. There's, <laughs> that's, like, it's lunisolar in its. Yeah. Um, and, and so every, like, obviously every calendar has value. But I think for us, we both, like, really like a solar year as, you know, the. Because our holidays track the cycle of the sun. Like, that's just how it, how it goes. Um, and with that cycle comes also, well, because technically our calendar is, is, is benchmarked to the agricultural cycle. So yeah. The agricultural cycle is benchmarked to the, the solar year, to the sun. So <laughs> It's true. So I guess uh, we can break this down into two. So we already started on the deity track, so I think we should continue on to the deity track, and then we could do more, like, witchy shit, the second one. So we've already broken the myth. So we, we I, I think it's fair that we leave our, our shiny our shiny boys uh, <laughs> to the side. They got, they'll get their own. They can go live in the twink corner. It's fine. Yeah, they'll get their own episode on a time. So let's stick with... Uh, we can, I guess, stick with sun gods, maybe in the modern sense, but let's talk about sun deities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so, they do. So give us, do you have any, like, do you have any, like, Slavic insights into <laughs> the sun? No, so the one I have is in the modern sense, just because, uh, you know, Slavic faith is <laughs> mainly a, a new thing. It's not, but it's it's a reconstruction more than it is a uh, old retelling. Um so Desmog 
is, you know, king. He's the head. In some respects, he is the head of the pantheon. Sometimes it's complicated. Him and Perrin, I think it depends more on geographically where you sit of whether you're going to be like Perrin is the king of all the deities or whether it's Blog. And they kind of flip depending on what you consider to be king. I think Perrin would be like father king. You know, I am father mm. of most of these children, so I'm the head of the family. Whereas Dazbog, and this is where, like, he's more in Shining God, but he is fire, fire of justice, literal fire. He's a flaming sword for shit's sake, which is really cool. Like, I want to, wouldn't it be cool to draw your sword and it's just, like, on fire? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he shines like the sun, and he is justice, which I, I guess you can consider... The sun, if you know, if you were to do a, a very astrological-based faith, you'd have your son as, like, your king of the court type thing. Mm. So Dazbog is what I, I connect with the sun as king of the court, as a leader of justice, as literal fire. You know, he would be the fire in the sky. Um, that would be his connection. And, and then you were talking about the, the literal sun being her and her flaming chariot, which is very, very, very healy. Helios, Helios, why am I blanking on him? Uh, Helios and dragging his son across the sky. But, <laughs> but those Saul, are the two. Yeah, it does the same thing. Yeah, and so, um, so as I got, I got Dasbarg as my yeah, um, real connection. Uh, like, of course, you know, we both do Norsey things too. I mean, uh, we 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 both do all three things, but um, it's true, which is cool. It's our own little tradition, but. Um, I the sun is a little more complicated for the Gaelic stuff because in the Norse it's it's obviously it's soul so soul is the sun Mani is the moon their brother and sister lovers um, who are always parted and being chased by wolves um, and so that's pretty straightforward as far as I'm concerned but the Gaelic stuff is a little more complicated mm -hmm. because you've got like Grania as the sun. Um, she is variously different characters in the mythology. It's kind of unclear. I th the best way I've been able to figure it out is Grania and Lou are married at various mm. points. Um, but then you also have Balor, who could also have an influence on the sun. He's kind of like sometimes seen as like the destroying sun, like the like the the son of drought. Yeah. Um, but then of course. Valor is kind of also Odin, who has some sun associations, like way back in the in in the battle days when he was like Wodenaz. Um, <laughs> but it it gets super complicated. But yeah, generally in the Gaelic stuff, the sun is feminine and the moon is masculine. Um, but also it seems like whoever lived in Ireland, Scotland, England, whatever, before the Celtic peoples got there were super about the sun because they made all these like stone circles and graves and things that lined up with sun alignments. Mm. Um, but then the, while those monuments remained important to the religion of the Celtic peoples who came after them, it feels like, at least from my reading of the lore, that the sun took more of like a, this is like a constant, awesome, wonderful thing that we should honor. But like, took a bit of a mythological backseat. Like, the sun rises, the sun sets. It's great, it's wonderful. We honor it at Beltane. But, you know, it's not our primary focus. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what makes it hard. For some reason, uh, actually, even, I, I should actually roll back. 
even in Slavic, in the stuff that I do, and in Norse, the, the sun and the moon are sometimes personified, but they almost are revered as their own thing. These very clear yeah. things that are in the sky that do a thing, high tide, low tide, uh, plants literally turn towards the sun, some plants bloom only in the moonlight, you know, they do very obvious things. So they're almost always their own thing. They're not like always mm. tied to a deity there might be a story of how they get dragged across the sky or what is dragging them across the sky or if they themselves are dragging across the sky. But the the deities tend to be other things, the things that you almost can't name, right. the, the hearth, the, the ideals, that the kind of stuff. Pieces. The cultural pieces. The sun literally yeah. is the sun. We'll line things up to the sun. We'll line harvest cycles up to the sun we'll do moon things like we know to do things during high tide and low tide you know as full moon comes this type of stuff is happening on the earth so you can literally worship the literal thing which i think yeah i, I wonder is that consistent in the, your anthropological opinion as a doctor on this podcast no. <laughs> I, just to be clear i do not have a phd all right everybody maybe someday but not now as a um, as pre PhD, Colin. Yes, pre 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 PhD. I mean, I think what? I think that's actually you know I can't speak to every culture, but I, you know, I it, my intuition is that yeah I think that the sun and the moon are such constants that I think in some ways we we as humans like have a natural affinity to worship them as their own thing, like the fuzzy personification makes some sense to me because when I look at the sun or the moon, I often appreciate it as the sun and the moon. And I don't think immediately about like gods or anything that like comes to it. Yeah. Unlike in other cases where the cultural things I appreciate, I do tend to think of gods. Um, yeah. Someone says hearth, you're immediately going to go breed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or something, something to that effect. Or like when talking about justice, I think of like Nuada and Tyr and Perun and such. Yeah. Um, so it's that's super interesting to me and then also i think there's the like there's also the taken taken for granted part because like you can't take the harvest for granted because like shit happens to harvest all the time or you can't take like yeah the cul culture or stability of culture like for granted but like the sun and the moon never change so i think there's a level of for granted that we're just used to taking because like <laughs> the sun and the moon are always constant. Like the sun comes up, the sun goes down. Nothing has ever stopped that. You know, the moon comes up, the moon goes down, which probably explains why for some people in the past, like eclipses have been traumatic or special because they yeah. do change these constant <laughs> things. Yes, the, when the sun gets blotted out in the sky and now there's just a dark circle, that's probably horrific if you didn't know what it was. Yeah, so I don't know. I feel I feel like there is... You know, I don't, I don't ascribe to the idea of, I forget, there was one folklorist slash anthropologist who thought that just all religion was based on sun worship, which is obviously incorrect. Yeah, um, I think so. But it's, it's um, you know, I think there is some level of that that, like, feels correct. Like, like, I think everyone appreciates at some point in their life, like, the sun and the moon for what they do. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily need a personification. They are just sort of a thing in their own right. At least to me, they feel, that's probably as close as I get to what, you know, I don't have a better word for it, like shamanic. I hate using that term for that, but like 
the idea of like revering something, worshiping, like actual worship of something just in and of itself, rather than like with personification and mythology and all this stuff, like just it in and of itself as being like overwhelmingly sacred. Like yeah. I think that speaks to me really strongly. Um, cause I don't, cause now that you, you've put that thought in my head, like I, I don't, I don't feel a particular need to personify it to worship, to do any sort of, and I, I keep coming back to worship because I think it's as close as I get to an acts of worship is like my appreciation of the sun and the moon. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that might change. I think if we were to go closer to the equator, we might find more direct worship and direct personification, but those are, you know, tropical environments in which the sun is uh, a great bounty. Again, we are, uh, <laughs> deep north people with ice. Uh, so, you know, our harvest is smaller. It's a big part. You know, we, we, could, we could die without it, but we're not, we don't live in a bountiful land that produces food year round. Uh, that's, that's true. I mean, there is, so I think there's the, the relationship with the sun is also slightly complicated in that because we often get mad at it for not being helpful. Yep. Uh, yeah, so people, I think relationships will change as you move throughout the world with the sun, but I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Again, neither of us are PhDs. We're not experts in this field. So if someone with a PhD says we are wrong, we can take it. <laughs> Room for conversation about it. Also, this will vary, obviously will vary by culture to culture. Like everybody has their own traditions and yeah. the sun tends to show up like in everyone's tradition because, you know, everyone has to use it, see it. <laughs> with it. True. Uh, you know, we don't have doors living underground, although, you know, maybe. <laughs> who are just like, son, who is she? I've never seen her. I mean, yeah. <laughs> never know. <laughs> it's true. But I guess we can move then on to the, so we've talked about sun deities. I, I encourage everyone to go look up again. Uh, be, be mindful that there is a layer of sexism on top of that because mm. now most sun gods are men and sun is masculine energy and our shiny boys became sun gods. I wonder how they feel about that. You ever I inquired? Mean, I get the impression, so there are some that I think are okay with it, like Bellinos slash Bell. Um, but, like, even he's kind of a weirdo in that regard, Belly Mauer. Um, but then, like, Lou, for me, has come through. Like, he started off with a lot of sun imagery, but relatively within the last year or so, he's been he's pushed that away in our relationship, and it has just been really heavily Storm God, like lightning and thunder, not sun at all. Um, shining, I guess, I think what shining originally meant in his case is, like, both the cultural, like, good and stuff, but also, like, fun, like, lightning just, like, shines, like, really brightly, okay. even immediately. New fun so, development. <laughs> in my experience, I don't know if they're, like, super down with it. I don't think they hate it, in my experience, but I, I don't think it's, like, something that necessarily is, like, become intrinsic. I think that it it's more about what you connect with. Yeah, it's probably one of those people versus... <laughs> people versus deities uh, on some level deities kind of have to accept what people put on them as their namesake so now the ones who have become sun gods are just like yeah i guess sure like that's what you put on me i am now a sun god we yeah <laughs> they can't really control that um so moving into i guess the more witchcraft uh tools things to do 
in the sunny times uh, stuff, do you have any traditions that you do that utilize the sun? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like um, I did. So this year for the winter solstice, I did an all night vigil. So I kept oh, nice. the flame burning from sundown to sunrise. Um, that was super powerful. I like sunrise and sunset because I feel like it's a really natural form of like directing energy because as the sun rises, obviously energy goes up and as the sunset energy goes down, it's can, I think also connected to the myth of like, you know, the sun dying and being reborn or that yeah. sort of thing. Like, so I, I feel like that's super interesting because you can really connect with sort of increase and decrease as you need it was mm -hmm. really natural with like a really natural source of power and the sun is incredibly powerful so if you want to tap into that like it's all encompassing it's a real easy way to 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 connect with that yeah truly i'm trying to think what i do i had to pause there for a second because again i don't do direct sun work i haven't i've always been a lunar base person i always loved moon goddesses uh, like that's always been my life but uh prosperity jars i would consider to be a sun practice because they are a year cycle based on the sun so doing things for a full year i have done i think the the sun so a lot of people like doing moon charging i think that's because they're more on the new age side of like right. ulu femme power moon <laughs> But, which is fair if that's your if that's your prerogative go off sis but like <laughs> uh there's that layer of sexism like the, the moon doesn't have to be a, a lady it can be if you want it to be but make sure it's because you want it to be not because uh new age people in their books are telling you that the moon is a source of femme power like it doesn't have it make it what you want not what people tell you it is um, but I actually really like sun charging because I am a tactile person and, uh, you know, putting shit out in the moonlight, cool, like moonlight, but like the sun, you get a really physical sense of, of energy transfer, quite literally, you get thermodynamic energy right. transfer. So things get warm. So uh, make sure everything is safe, but, and obviously don't put uh, it near flammable things, but putting crystals in the sunlight you can literally see the light shine through it you can literally feel the heat off the, the, the light shining through it which is why you don't put it in your flammable stuff because it's uh, some crystal that's how you start house fires girl <laughs> like be careful with that but they get really warm um i like standing out in the sun doing photosynthesis because you get really warm so i, I use it as a source of quite literal energy I also like doing sunrise and sunset things. It was always the best part of, you know, I love the midday ritual at uh, Pagan Pride Day, but I love doing the morning snake dance and ending snake dance for, you know, starting the day at sun, not literally sunrise. None of us are up that early, but <laughs> starting it at sunrise uh, and ending it at sunset to raise energy and then lower energy. That That's always really fun. Um, and then I'd like uh, your thing of doing, I haven't done one because I don't trust myself. I have a cat, uh, but <laughs> I like doing 
uh, kind of simulating the sunrise and sunset in the opposite time. That feels really fun to, you know, when the sun sets, we make a synthetic sun fire. Uh, and then having that going throughout the night to simulate a continuation of the sun fire energy warmth throughout the night. Lighting our hearth would be great to do at sunset yes. to bring into throughout the night to you know, extinguish during the day for some stuff. And then I think there are a, a myriad of other things that you can do for the sun that aren't direct. I think gardening is a, is a mm -hmm. solar practice. I mean, there's some moon gardening. There are plants that bloom in the night that you can tend to and, you know, fungus likes darkness. So there are some dark based gardening tips, but a lot of gardening work can be solar, you know, literally planting sunflowers and tracking positions of the sun and utilizing them as sources of you know, when they uh, die and you collect the seeds, eating the literal sun. Uh, so I would definitely want to do those. I still live in an apartment. I do have a porch, so I want to get into gardening again, but uh, gardening is a very fun solar practice and is right. connected to our ancestral practices. Farming was gar sun worship. Right. And I think that that's another important thing to talk about too, in terms of the sun is um, the nice thing about the sun and the moon and the sun, especially for me, at least is because I'm solar powered. Like my mood goes up on indirect sunlight generally. Yeah. Um, and so you're able to borrow the sun. Like you can sort of capture fire or borrow fire spiritually from the sun. Yeah. But also unlike channeling energy out of the land, which comes with like perhaps depends on whose land it is and what the history there is and land gets complicated. Yeah. The sun yeah. belongs to everyone. Like there is no no one who who has ownership or history over the sun. You know, like you can draw as much energy from the sun as as much yours as anyone else's. Yeah. Um, and so if you're feeling uncomfortable or whatever, it's a great it's a great ba magical battery without having to to deal with some of the problematic aspects of land even though land is just as, if not more powerful in terms of like drawing magic, but you know, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, it's a neat thing. Um, it just is, is very, you know, fire. It's hot and warm and <laughs> it's a big ball of fire. So. Yeah. And there are a myriad of other ways indirectly to kind of honor that worship. I think of all the, you know, our, our blacksmiths, <laughs> I don't know if any blacksmith listen to our, our podcast, but that is very much simulating the sun you know your your hearth your welding equipment uh, welding is not the right word that is a different process um your forges i don't know why i couldn't yeah. think of the word forges um are very much simulating the sun they're hot, yeah. they're not as hot as the, the surface of the sun that is nuclear fission that is very dangerous <laughs> that's nuclear fusion that's very very hot uh produces a lot of heat but um, you're simulating that, you're using it to create new things. I think even uh, doing the process of creating new life, and I don't mean in the uh, necromancy or uh, homunculus sense, yeah. but uh, I, I go back to gardening again, but also plant, ra uh, not plant raising, why am I stuck on plants? Uh, animal raising, animal husbandry, if you are a person that raises, fit, you know, you have a fish, pond if you're a person that raises and breeds cats uh, various other animals cows you're a farmer i think doing that simulation of life and creating life uh is very sun because we go back to sun creates life without sun without the heat without uh the ability for photosynthesis uh life does not exist on earth so honoring that through creating life uh so raising a family is kind of is a solar sun 
worshiping, not always directly, but practice, uh, raising children, raising animals, not necessarily being the one that creates them, but the one that raises them is a solar worshiping practice. It is creating, caring for, and carrying on life until it's sunset and when it moves on to, into its next phase. So uh, right. there are lots of indirect, like maybe they're connected to other deities or maybe they're connected to other cultural practices, but would be part of the worshiping of sun, worshiping of our most literal source of, of life. I think, I think that um, if you wanted to take this in sort of a very particular queer and interesting direction, which I think we really should, is to start thinking of instead of just the earth mother, I think that we should acknowledge our lesbian mothers of the sun and the earth. Yeah. I feel like our, our, our lesbian nurture mothers should be a magical thing that we do now. Just, <laughs> I love that. And that can be queered anyway, you know, if that, if that is, uh, <laughs> well, the sun and the earth are, 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 are gay, are gay fathers. Well, I mean, too. it could be anyone and anything. Yeah. I'm just saying from like our talking about the feminine aspects of that, but yeah, it could be anything. Our but gender I think queer that putting parents. the earth and sun together more consistently is a good idea. It just makes more sense to me. We can even um, further queer that and have our queer family polycule. I know we're oh, talking about true, the sun. With the moon. Yeah. With the moon, like we have our queer that's family true. polycule of, and it really goes to show you that in one, in queering magic, you know, so much of, of Christianity and other bullshit wants us to segment our magical practices into this is what I do for moon worship. This is what I do for sun. This is what I do for this deity. This is what I do for this family of deity. Maybe, you know, mm. we can consider some that allows for a little bit, you know, you do stuff with Odin and Thor because they're family. Um, but we should be trying to break down all of those barriers in, in some meaningful way. Obviously barriers that you're comfortable with are fine, but to queer magic would be to stop trying to consider like it's moon and sun and those are like the things or it is odin and uh and freya or frigga um and those are like the parents or it's uh this i do this worship and then i go and do this worship it's like they all can exist in the same universe together yes, and a magical it's a yes and it's improv uh it's a magical polycule of all of them are interconnected you might have your thing, and I think people are allowed to have their thing. So if you are just a devotee of this person and you just do this work, awesome. But there are other things that affect your work. The sun and the moon and the earth affect your work. You can't do land work without in some way doing sun work and moon work, you know. You might focus on and you might center land work, but you can't do it without the other two. Same thing with doing sun, same thing with doing moon, same thing with doing any deity. Odin is not Odin without his fucked up kids <laughs> without his shiny uh his shiny son thor and his eternally mischievous child loki odin does not exist so whether even if you worship odin and only odin and only read the things that say the word odin in them and only do odin things the other ones affect you so magic is a queer polycule of interco <laughs> interconnected well, I, weirdos i mean that's kind of the work that i've done over this last year is going from this like very rigid like fearful i need to stick to one thing to this sort of yeah this cool like tripart polycule of like i'm okay with that sort of instability and change over time and interconnectedness and things yeah. that will, like shift and like have multiple things different things exist at once it's a much more liberating way to live and do magic <laughs> for me 
of like being like, yep, these things are all yes ands. Um, exactly. Yes and. and and stability so, might mean something for you at a time in your life. I don't think we should be dissuading people from having stability of like rigid practice and like this is what oh, I no, do no, no, around no. this thing. It's one of those, it's a reframing of stability. Stability doesn't have to be mm -hmm. limiting. Stability should be freeing. So finding ways to be stable and having tradition and having consistent practices in a way that doesn't limit you, that opens up room for possibility is, I, I, I can say this for me uh, in running this podcast, it's my ultimate goal of people who find our shit, whether we're stable or not, and that's yeah. sometimes debatable, uh, is that we offer a sense of reimagining, of rethinking, of of freedom. Maybe we're not the ones who give them the freedom, but we're, maybe we're the ones that they start their journey on. And 10 years down the line, they're like, I remember that one episode or the, that couple episodes from that podcast. And it made me rethink things. And now I'm at a whole new place of, I am still once again, stable, but I am free. You know what? That's a good point. Stable is the wrong word because I have a stable practice. I have yeah. a stable way of looking at the world. It's more about rigidity. I am no longer rigid. I'm no longer siloed. It's, it's about, it's about stability and freedom, like you said. So like for me, it's, it's turning, it's, you know, my little garden has got like the Norse section and the Slavic section and the Gaelic section. And I live in the center of it. And then it used to have this big wall around it that nothing else could go in and out. And I uh -huh. turned that into like a fence, like a slatted fence, you know, things can go in and out. I have my own little stable garden, but like I go out and things come in and it's great. And so yeah, yeah <laughs> no more rigidity. Get rid of rigidity. That's that's the that's the takeaway. Because for me, it puts the it's a giving up of power. Rigidity brings comfort, but through the power of someone else. And at the end of the day, when you give up your power to someone or something or some group else. It might not seem like it in the moment. We do things for survival. Again, that is a-okay to do things for survival for wherever you're at in life. But it will harm you over time. I have yet to meet a person who gives up their power, whether it's a power in their faith, a power in their life, a power wherever, who at 20 years down the line, even five years down the line, hasn't been harmed by it in some way. Mm -hmm. And so... It's scary to have to control those things on your own, but doing so is freeing. I, there's no other way to describe it. It's scary, but I believe it's because people taught us to be fearful of it, not because it is fearful on its own, because the harm happens no matter what. The world right. is, a, is a rough and tumble place. We are, we are things that get tossed around in the ocean of life where sea glass that is constantly smooth and chipped and shit in the ocean. But you can't stop that by giving someone else power, you know, letting a fish guide you through the ocean because it might make you bang against the rocks less. Uh, that fish will probably swallow you and poop you out somewhere later and you'll bang against the rock anyway. But you had that like 30 seconds of stability inside of them. And so like, you're going to get hurt no matter what, which is kind of a pessimistic way to look at it. But <laughs> you can't deny, denying the inevitable is just gonna hurt more it's true it's something like even at work we talk about a lot of you know it's shitty to work in a university 
Um, and this, uh, and sometimes it's used as an excuse. I think lots of toxic supervisors will turn this on its head and make it a you problem, but we can control the things we can control. We can control how our office acts. We can control how students experience our office. We can be moderately safe places for students to land. Uh, and we can do that knowing that the university itself is a shithole. And sometimes it's used toxically to be like, you can't change shit and you know, you shouldn't try. But sometimes it is true of the world is shit and everything is shit, but we can control the things we can control. Our, our emotions, we have some control over. Our friendships, our homes, our, our worships, our, you know, yeah. stuff we do. We can and control that. Yeah, it's just, and I, and I mean, it's, it's, like the, it's like the sun too. We've talked about all these like wonderful life-giving energetic aspects, but like the sun also causes drought and it can burn your skin and give you cancer or, you know, cause water <laughs> to be warm enough to cause a biblical plague of mosquitoes because we live in the Northeast. And so, you know, like, sure. like nothing is inherently like super awesome or super terrible. It's like you, you take, you, you take it as it is. And like, so I don't find the sun less sacred because it's actively trying to give me cancer is also <laughs> keeping me alive. So it's like, it's, you know, it's yep. it's it's just sort of a the life we live it's a, it's uh, our existence uh-huh. yeah we got on a queer tangent there yeah yay that was the point of the season we've been pretty consistent yeah on that i guess colin do you have any final thoughts that felt like a good summation but i always like to leave room for final thoughts yeah no i i think that what we talked about is is really good and i think what i would encourage people to do is just like connect with it on your own terms like explore yeah that stuff just on your own. And one of my big pushes right now is to not, not do anything out of like obligation or, or, or like feeling I need to do something, but rather doing it when I feel called to. So I encourage people to, if you feel a call to do it, do it. And when yeah. you, if you don't, maybe you will someday soon, you know, you never know. <laughs> it's true. I think my advice, uh, it's going to be particular advice. I'm thinking of, uh, my journey as trans femme, as a trans femme person and the sun uh, for trans femmes out there who feel like the sun is not for them. This is one of those times make it for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck it up with, uh, with our girl, the sun um, become a sun femme. I encourage uh, all our moon femmes who were placed in a box of being a moon femme to bust out of their box and be a sun femme for a hot minute. It might not be yours and you can go back to being a moon femme at the end of it, but like, fuck it up. Be a sun femme, a shiny, bright colored sun femme. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. <laughs> That's my advice. Um, so it's June. We're entering our summer time. Uh, so we are very late on Beltane, but to the to the people, we are late on Beltane for a very particular reason. It's because the time of the beginning of May for us university folks is bullshit. So we will be recording Beltane when we get a chance to celebrate our Beltane together. And yes. <laughs> we'll be getting it then. Don't you worry. Um, but yes, we are headed towards June. We are headed towards June, which becomes Alitha again. I forgot what we make Litha every year. We've done some Mananan stuff. Trickster oh. has become our Litha. Yes, yes, because we started with Mananan's day yeah, yeah. and moved on from there. Oh yeah, so we'll be coming up on Trickster's day, and then uh, my personal favorite holiday, Nunasta. 
Lunasa! I'm super excited for that. So some fun things over summer, trying to do some fun vacations. I might have some interesting opportunities happening over summer. So folks want to give energies towards me doing some interesting things. Uh, I'm going to keep them because I'm a superstitious bitch. So I don't put things out into the universe until I have some control over them. Uh, <laughs> so some exciting things happening. Uh, do you have any fun things happening in your life? I mean, I've got some pagan festivals that are going on. I've got a very busy summer. Um, I will be I'll be teaching at and vending at Hills and Rivers here in State College um, in Sweet. June. I have to make my I'm, way. You got to tell me the dates of those because I might be doing my yeah, vacation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that should be our Lissa. Uh, <laughs> are we gonna make your? Are we gonna have your your companions uh, participate in Trickster's Day and blow their minds? Sure, we can figure it all out. Are they Litha um, people? Not really. Okay, well we're gonna give them a Litha yeah, no, to celebrate. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Then we have, you know, in July, I'm going to um, a big one in Ohio. That's exciting. Um, for, it's a week long. It's going to be really exciting. So I've got lots of stuff um, going on. And, you know, uh, so I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a, good, a good summer. Um, big changes at the university, new president. New <laughs> so oh, that'll yeah. be interesting to navigate. Um, and, yeah, so... I'm looking forward to it all. It's, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, well, without further ado, uh, you can follow us on social media, Crohn's Porch on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all of which are, you know, various levels of active. Sometimes we go bursts of activity. Twitter has been pretty dead, but Twitter is a hellscape anyway. Twitter and so. TikTok have both been pretty dead because they're both hellscapes. Instagram is kind of where we're most at. Yeah, yeah, so follow us on Instagram, Crone Porch on Facebook. I try to post the episodes there. So if anything, you can use it as your like new episode guide for when episodes are posted. And then you can always email us, cronesporch at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, if you think we're utter shit, let us know. If you think we're the shit, let us know. <laughs> uh, if you just want to send us funny memes, let us know. That's good too. You want to spam us with deals on uh, a new car or insurance that we should be having. We don't even get spam in that email, I don't think, which is really nope. sad. Uh, if you want to spam us, make it feel real. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Uh, maybe don't do that one. Uh, but until next time, I will say those Dania. I need a new thing. Uh, I, maybe we'll, we'll change this up to uh, uh, the Ahoy. Yeah, we'll do Ahoy. It's like hi bye in in Slavic or in uh, Slovak. So ahoy. <laughs> uh, and I will say slop. And we'll see you next time. Um, oh, the crow. Uh, yeah, that thing. That, that <laughs> <laughs> this was Cronin in the morning. Uh, don't expect this from us. <laughs>